Last week, we talked about productizing your services. No, I don't mean the actual work, not, not the actual pen to paper, but how you deliver your drawings, how you set up your meetings, how are you branding those? How are you branding your discovery calls? And yes, it, it should go along with your, your business cards and your logo and your brand colors and all that. But how are you branding your services? Well, this week we're talking about productizing and branding the work itself. This week, I'm pleased to have Tim Brown of Tim Brown Architecture and Perch Plans on the show. Stay tuned. Giving architects and landscape architects the tools and strategies to be seen, heard, and valued in the marketplace, and telling the stories of leaders building thriving design firms and attracting their ideal clients, this is From Architecture to Profitecture. I'm your host, Jake Krakowski. Let's get started. Fellow and future Profitex, hello. How are you? Welcome to the show. Very excited for, for this week's episode. I came across Perch Plans uh, several years ago, maybe two or three years ago. And what stuck with me is what, was how curated the, the collection of, of home plans were. Yes, for, for sale on the internet. Click to buy. Um, I know there are probably a couple sites that come to mind where you'd think they were the the Amazon or the Walmart or the TJ Maxx of plans. And as Tim told me um, when we were talking before the show here, you got to just hunt through the rack and hope you find something that fits. Well, I think Tim and his team have done a great job of, of curating um, sets of house plans with Perch. He also built his custom architecture firm in the last recession. And I think there's a lot of parallels to today that we might be able to touch on. So I'm very happy to have on the show, Tim, nice to see you. Thanks for being here. Nice to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. Absolutely. So as we were talking uh, before the show here, you started your your custom residential firm in 2009, the right. last, last recession. And yeah. in these... I hate to use the word uncertain times because it's been it's been beaten to death. But you know, 2020 is an interesting year. So, I wonder if you could if you could talk a little bit about your decision making process, a to start your own firm, and then maybe some of the your struggles or experiences then that you might be able to relate to folks starting or starting to build their firms now. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was late 2009. I was working for a, a small residential firm in Austin. And um, I had always known that I wanted to have my own company. It was just when is the right time uh, was unclear. But I had met a potential client through a furniture builder friend. I helped him do a furniture install at their house. And um, we got talking. I told them I was an architect. They wanted to remodel their house. And I left the firm that I was working for with one client and I had a $20,000 fee total. So um, my thought is you've got to be a little naive and uh, uh, just be a little stupid (laughs) to to make it work. Uh, Stubborn, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. So uh, for eight months, that was my only client. And my wife was like, so how long are we going to... How long are we going to do this before you you look for something else? But uh, after that eight months, I was picking up 
small, uh, like a garage conversion to a bedroom or little tiny projects here and there. And um, at the end of my first year, I got cold feet and called a friend who firm. Uh, uh, he was working uh, by himself at the time. He had one contract worker. Uh, and I called him to see if I could do some work with him. So it was kind of uh, uh, that propped me up for the second year I was in business. So I was doing my own work on the side and working with my friend Rick some also. Mm -hmm. But at the end of that second year is when I picked up my first real substantial um, foundation to, to finish custom home. And that was the modern farmhouse on my website. And I didn't really know um, that style would take off as much as it did. Um, I think we've had like 6 million pins on Pinterest from that one project that was completed in 2013. And that really, at first I was resentful about being pigeonholed into that style, but it has really benefited me growing up in New England. I, I speak that language well, that Victorian stick look um but it it has been a, a great catalyst to get my name and my brand recognized having a specific style like that mm -hmm. and and if i may ask what what's the name of that um that project on your site here it's the modern, modern farmhouse uh modern farmhouse modern farmhouse there we go yep yep I've got so it that on the screen too Blame that house for everything. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So obviously some, some growing pains there and you know, needing, yeah. to, needing to scale back when, when needed. Um, has that, have those kind of thoughts entered your mind this year with everything that's going on? They did briefly um, right when the, the, pandemic started, I thought to myself, I need to scale back. I need to really rein in my monthly expenses, my overhead. Um, but that only lasted for a couple weeks. I, I got nervous and thought pro projects would drop off, but we have, I think we had 11 projects in the office at that time and only one went away. Mm -hmm. uh, and things have started ramping up a little bit more now. So it was a very short-lived paranoia. Right. No, I can, I can relate only, only one dried up for me as well. Um, yeah. So then the, the, the thought process to, to start to move from custom homes to, to something called perch plans. How did that all come yeah. about? So when that, that project, uh, the modern farmhouse finished, uh, we got a lot of traction on social media and um, it was the end of 2015. I had received maybe two or 300 inquiries about buying that design. And for uh, 2014, 2015, I was telling people we don't sell custom designs. We want to honor that, that person and keep that, um, that design for that one individual. Um, so the end of 2015, I went to a CRAN conference in Detroit and I can't remember the guy's name, but he started uh, Floyd Furniture Company. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a, are you familiar with it? It's kind of modular. He had a great story about how his company came about and how he marketed to big box um, brands to, to move his product and they tried to control it. They wanted to make it like the TJ Maxx. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it really inspired me to revisit um, selling designs that we have already created. So I came back, talked with my team about it. We did a lot of research, what was available on the, the online at that time. And it's exactly what you said. You run into websites. It's like surf through our 10,000 designs. We're not sure who created it, but we'll broker the deal for you. Um, a lot of places offered modifications, but you weren't working with the original the original creator of that design. So, um, yeah, that's how it came about. We, we started Perch Plans in the summer of 2016. 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, we didn't sell any for six months in that December. <laughs> I thought I'm going to pull this thing down. Uh, it's, it's just a waste of money. We, we wasted time on this, but I sold one in December of 2016 mm-hmm. and I thought, let's, let's keep it open for a little longer. <laughs> uh, and then 2017 hit and we've been selling three or four designs every month since then. Wow. And are they are they true custom? Are they kind of slight modifications to all slight modifications to previous designs? Fifty uh, percent of them are conceived just for perch, but mm-hmm. the other half is a iteration of a design that we had created previously. Um, and it's funny it, we have a, a zip code restriction just to keep these unique, uh, where the the customer builds them. Interesting. But um, only about 10% of people that buy designs from us do not make modifications. Most people change. We've had uh, customization packages from a $500 change to a $18,000 change where they're revamping the whole thing. Interesting. So, so very <laughs> few of them remain uh, what they are originally. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to hear that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not a three thousand dollar plan with an eighteen thousand dollar change order. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's only that, that's maybe two or three a year. It's not a, a common right, thing right. to be that much, but it's not as passive as you'd think. It, it's rare where we get a sale, uh, so we use uh, an e-commerce site to to host the site and do all the mm-hmm. transactional things through. It's rare that we get notified that someone has bought it without talking to us first. Oh, is that okay? It's not, yeah. a, it's not purely an, an online purchase. Well, I'm no. that, that kind of, that rolls actually really nicely into my next point. And, and that, and, and I started to peek through, through your checkout process and that, you know, that you can provide site planning. Um, yep. Did not know about the zip code restriction, but now that makes sense. You want to be able to travel there and and have some sort of say in sure. <laughs> some sort of yeah. some sort of hand in it. Um, yeah. Are most folks taking you up on site planning or or that kind of consultation? Um, I don't know the percentage exactly, but I'd say it's That's, about half. Okay. Half of our customers want some type of help 
Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of them go on rural sites. So it's like two acres and up. So mm-hmm. a lot of people like to give us a site plan and, and have us look on Google Earth at where the, the tree line is, if there's topography, and, and just get some assistance siting the house. Gotcha. When you were having those initial discussions with your team, um, was there any pushback from, I guess the best word I can um, I can use is the craft of architecture. I, I've seen it in a couple different <laughs> online forums, probably somewhere on Facebook that yeah, make, making site planning an, an optional add-on or taking site planning out of it altogether is you know, like it's gutting the art of architecture where the form is supposed to respond to the site <laughs> that it's placed on. Did that enter yeah. your thoughts thoughts at all? It did. And for about four months prior to creating the, the company, um, I was talking to colleagues and, and friends here in town and everybody said, well, not everybody, most people, most architects that I talked to said that it was dumbing down the, the craft. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, there's two schools of thought. Some people think you need to go all in and make it this completely bespoke uh, item that you're creating, but other people want to create architecture for the masses. So I kind of straddle both camps. I, I think it should be a, a specific intent for every person when you can do it. But I also think uh, we shouldn't let the production builders of the world decide the majority of the aesthetic and quality of homes that are being created. So I, I did have that knowledge going into it that most, most of my colleagues were against it. Um, it's funny. We have a, a small firms round table at our AIA chapter here once a month. And uh, in 2017, when things were rolling well for perch, um, I spoke at one of those luncheons and a lot of those people I talked to showed up and asked how they could do the same thing. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. their mind changed when uh, you can see the profitability in it, but also the way it's executed is not a, um, a marketplace atmosphere. It's a, we, we try very hard to have people feel like they are sitting with the architect and the team that created that product and they can make it their own. That, yeah. And that, and that stems from you having such a, a curated collection of, of four. Do, do those rotate out ever? Or is it, these, these are the four that you've not, got? Not yet. Uh, so we have eight on the site right now. And we, okay. we initially wanted to do two sets of four each oh. year, but it is, it is quite difficult to, to create, get the renderings, have the marketing team put everything together on the website mm-hmm. and, and release that. So um, last year I hired an employee who is the director of Perch, that it's her job to focus on that specifically. Before that, it was my custom architecture team that did this as a side job. So we hope to get a little better at creating product and releasing it. But um, we haven't talked about taking anything off of the website yet. There's just mm-hmm. not enough selection there to do that. I would I would tend to agree that eight's eight's a pretty good 
pretty pretty good number to have. It's, yeah. it's I think it's good luck in in the Chinese culture too. So. <laughs> I like the number. I didn't know that, but <laughs> awesome. It worked. I feel like the number that's been kicked around is only 3% of homes are fully custom designed by architects, whether that's in the States or whether that's globally. Um, it's probably just in the States. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's this huge, yeah, between between the production builders and, and custom architecture, there's a huge need that, that needs to be filled, yeah. even if it's with a $500 change order. Um, it's, still, it's still promoting... Yeah still promoting the profession. So, yeah. Um, it's, so it's interesting. So we've had, we've had a chance to step into that developer production home builder world because of perch. Our work was being recognized outside of just Texas uh, and perch was the catalyst. So we've picked up work with developers in Florida in um, Michigan in we've done a couple homes in Nebraska uh, the first house that we did the video on the homepage of Perch is uh, Bainbridge Island in Washington. Okay. So we're having a an impact on the development world because of Perch, if that makes sense. That's something interesting to touch on. As you're talking to these developers, are you, and just to take the first one on the site, the, <laughs> well, I'll take the, the Alderney, you know, are you providing Alderney mm -hmm. one, two, three? <laughs> for these developers so when a developer comes to us the zip code restriction applies to an individual buying it if a developer wants to purchase it and before the the project is completed there's an agreement all of the homeowners buying that home know that it will be possibly repeated in that neighborhood mm -hmm. the, the zip code restriction doesn't apply but the developments that we've done so far we've we've created specific collections for them that are not available on the website. So we have those, those projects are slotted to be future collections on the website, but we want the developer to, to get those established first and then we'll release them in, in the next couple of years. I did notice that you provide manual J yeah. Um Yeah. So do you provide a structural as well or because you're so- Absolutely um, zip, not. Zip, absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely all, not. Yeah, we have the homeowner. large disclaimers on everything that say you need to engage local professionals for permitting, for um, code restrictions as far as insulation values, things like that, snow load. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we do not provide any structural. Are you modifying your manual J based on modifications that the homeowner is making to the layouts? Or is that, yeah, on, so is we, that on their HVAC? No, it, each one is specific. We have a energy um, professional that we work with. So he has all of the original designs and mm -hmm. he uses WriteSoft. So he has all of the original designs already created and then we give him the modified design. He'll modify the manual J. So it's specific for their location and their specific design. The structural licensing state to state would, would certainly make a yeah. difference. But, yeah. And we, um, with the manual J's, we don't specify equipment. It's just a BTU load requirement. Right. So we don't say you have a furnace or a heat pump or anything like that. It's just the BTU loads. Mm -hmm. What you mentioned before, if not on the show here, then before that, that, that your, your workload was growing. What's, what's your outlook for 2020? <laughs> I see people, 
looking for alternative uh, solutions to a, um, like I told you before, a lot of people are doing weekend homes outside of the city. And I see a lot of motivation to make that their permanent house now. So we work in Austin, but we do a lot of work, custom work outside of Austin in the country. And uh, I see that more. Mm -hmm. I think the the creativeness and the innovation that people have found in the situation showed a uh, where there was a reluctance before they see the possibilities and the convenience now. And I, I think our work situation will be forever changed because of this. So it opens up more rural possibilities for, for living. That's my take. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. Would would that ever trigger a, an expansion of your zip code uh, restrictions? I know. <laughs> no. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to, uh, to come on the schedule, uh, come on the show, and, and share a little about how you've developed these two these two companies. I think it's a I think it's a great fit, certainly for the marketplace today, but just just in general and kind of expanding the the reach of the profession. And, yeah. The knowledge of, um, you know, yeah. the average home buyer and home and uh, and homeowner. So, um, yeah. thanks so much. Well, Tim. thank you for having me. This was this was a lot of fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Any more questions or, or comments for for Tim or for myself? You can drop them here in the comments, uh, or you can shoot me a uh, direct message: Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram at Jake Krakowski. And of course, until next week, go out and make it a great week because our success is inevitable. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you stay up to date with future episodes. Connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at Jake Krakowski. And for show notes and much more, visit profitexturebydesign.com slash podcast.